you to take your copy of God's Word and, and open it up to uh, Genesis. We're going to start there tonight, Genesis chapter 12. If you and I are going to be Christians who take the Great Commission seriously and who take it personally, um, there are some things that need to be true about us. If we're going to be men and women who have a, an impact for Christ in this community, what are those characteristics that need to be true in our lives? What does it take to make a difference for him? And I can assure you tonight it has very little to do with your chronological age. It has little or nothing to do with your background, whether it was positive or negative in the past. It has everything to do with your character. So does your life reflect tonight as we begin to study God's word, a godly character. Is there evidence in our lives of the supernatural presence of Jesus Christ? If we're going to be men and women who make a difference, who, who have an impact, there must be a, a qualitative difference in our lives. At the very core of our being, there must be a hunger and a thirst for Jesus Christ. We must desire him to transform us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I ask again... What kind of person does God use to make a difference? Because there are really three kinds of people in the world. There are those who live in this world as though, in all practical purposes, that God doesn't even exist. Then there are those who, who live where God is available, you know, for a chat at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. You know, it's kind of like, and similar, you know, I don't know how many of us uh, are avid Jeopardy watchers, you know, but I guess most people know that Jeopardy comes on at what time, John Silvoy? 7.30, okay, 7.30 p.m. weekly on weeknights, okay? Well, most people would know, hey, I can show up at church at 11 a.m. 
on uh, Sunday morning. And they wouldn't miss necessarily that service. But the third kind of person is the one who has a living, vital relationship with God. And Abraham was such a man. He was a man of great faith. And, and so we're going to look at him, at him tonight. Let's look first at uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses um, 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you, and I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we just invite you tonight to, to teach us the lesson you were teaching your disciples the whole time you were on earth. And, and you still long to teach us the lessons of faith, the lessons of trusting you. So, Father, we just open our hearts to you and to your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We look at our text tonight. We see first that when God calls us, he expects a faith response on our part. God commanded Abraham here. He commanded him, leave your country, leave your larger family, your father's house, Go to a strange land. Now, Abram had some serious considerations in light of these commands. Obeying God's command had several elements that were involved. The first that we see in this text is sacrifice. He would have to uproot himself, leave from his family, and then go to a strange land. The second thing we see here was the danger. The danger that was involved. You and I are protected by the Army, the Air Force, the Marines. You know, we've got a host of, of people that are committed to protecting us. We have a local police force, sheriff's department that's committed to protecting us. But in Abraham's day, you were basically protected by your tribal group. And so God comes to Abraham and says, separate yourself from those who protect you, those who surround you. So there's danger involved. Thirdly, we see that it involved the unexpected. Abraham was 75 years old. Now, is there anybody here tonight 75 years old or older? A few people? Raise your hand. If you're 75 years of old, be proud of 75 years of age old. Okay. Good. Now, I just have one question. Are you sitting in the same pew that you sat in this morning? Yes or no? No? Good. So good. So some of you like Abraham. You're moving to different strange pews. That's good. That's good. But most of us, including myself, I like the same routine. I like the, you know, I like to be where, you know, I like to be where I'm always at. 
But he, at 75 years old, is now called by God to do something totally unexpected. To go to a strange place, to leave. And number four, it involved the unknown. Here, Abraham is responding possibly to an unknown God. Possibly this is the first time he's encountered God. Possibly. And he's going to an, definitely to an unknown land. Yet, as Abraham ponders the promises of God, he hears this. I'll make of Abraham a great nation. That God would bless him. And that God would make his name great. And that God would bless the nations of the world through him. He hears this. And what does Abraham do? Well, the scripture says he responds in faith. He does as God commands him. Now, when God calls us, when he calls us to trust him, how do you and I respond? Do we trust him? Do we respond with a heart of trust? Or do we respond in fear? Do we respond in doubt? See, God had made it clear that the only way we can have a personal relationship with him, he's made it clear the only way that's possible is through Jesus Christ. And he has actually given us a promise that we can claim. And that promise is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, you could put your own name in there, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise to you. That's a promise to me that if we'll simply believe and trust him, we can be given eternal life, a relationship with God. But will we accept Him? Will we trust Him? What about when God calls us to a particular task or a place of ministry? How will we respond? Will you respond in faith as Abraham did? Knowing that God will fulfill His promise in and through your life? I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, when God calls us to a, a place of service, it's not always plan A for our lives. Now, how many of you have been called to First Baptist Church by God? Raise your hand. Two of you, that's good. All right, we're going to invite the rest of you to join the church tonight if the Holy Spirit leads you. No, obviously, God is, God's the one who called you here. Some of you say, I don't know if God called me here. When I was born, I was in the cradle roll. Well, let me just tell you what. It, it wasn't by accident if you were born and in the cradle roll here, okay? That's, that's God had you here. He called you here. But let me just tell you something that is exciting about what God is doing. I, the thing that used to excite me the most in my life was youth ministry. And God's doing some great things in youth ministry. 
Then later on, as I got older, what God got me excited about was adults. I mean, that's, that was, you know. But he's called me here to be a part of First Baptist Church Tifton. And what, you know what I realize is one of the great things that God's doing here at First Baptist Tifton? Well, it's children. Okay? Children. I've never been a children's minister. I've not really felt necessarily called to work with children, you know. But what God is doing in and through all of y'all and has been doing for years is, is reaching children in this community. Matter of fact, y'all have been so effective at reaching children. None of these children have gone to be missionaries all over the world. You know, that doesn't happen in every church. You know, matter of fact, I, you know, anyway. So God is doing some amazing things. But here's the problem. The more children God draws here, it requires more leaders. Now, Jerry Johnson back there teaches an adult men's class. Jerry, if you had five more men show up next Sunday, you'd be excited, wouldn't you? Amen. I would be excited for him, you know? If, you know, Jose had whatever, ten more men show up for his service next week, he'd be excited. But let me tell you what. If one of these ladies that, or men had, where is, is he here tonight? Bill, is he skipping? Where's Bill Arnold? Bill's not skipping, good. Bill Arnold, if you had ten more three-year-olds show up next week, He'd be crying. That's right. Let me, let me just... Let, let me just tell you something. And, and y'all may already know this. So if you already know it, yell, preacher, we already know this. But let me just tell you something. You may, you may, this may not dawn on you. But as God expands that ministry, there is a disproportional mathematical ratio involved here. And that ratio is this. As that grows, you have to have three times as many leaders. Susan Rowe teaches the seniors in high school. As they come, it's great. She can handle up to, say, 25. And just the, the three of them that are working in, they can handle that. But if Bill Arnold has 10 more show up, let me tell you what. He's got to have two more workers. But listen to me this. Listen. He's not only created a problem for him on Wednesday night. Now these little critters are coming to choir. Excuse me. These precious angels are coming to choir. And then they're coming to admissions, which is great. That's what we want. But what do you get what I'm saying? He not only needs two people, the choir person, he, he's just created, he need, we need six more people. Now I just don't think, I may be wrong, I don't think the average person in this church understands the mathematical equation. Maybe you do. But what I'm just saying is, you may have the gift of administration. You may be great at organizing things. Or you may have the gift of recreation. You're good at planning activities and all this. You may have the gift of evangelism. Let me just tell you, whatever your gift, God's going to need it at some point in not too far distant future in the children's ministry here at First Baptist Church. Okay. Second thing we see in this text. You didn't know that was in Abraham, did you? <laughs> okay. The second thing we see in this text, when God calls us, he expects a faith response. And we've, we, we'll rise up to this. I just think most of us aren't aware 
from a mathematical perspective. Second thing is this. When God promises us something, he expects a faith response. When he promises something to us, he expects a faith response. So now, let's look at Genesis. Go over a few chapters. Genesis 15, 5 through 6. Genesis 15, 5 through 6. And Jesus is, excuse me, uh, God is speaking to, um, to Abraham again. And he took Abraham outside. And he took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens. And count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. See, 20 to 25 years later, after the initial call of Abraham, God makes a magnificent promise to Abraham. Now, Abraham now is a hundred years old. And God comes to him. And he says, you're going to have a son. And his descendants are going to be like the stars. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 4. Would you flip over to Romans 4? Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Listen to this scripture. Romans 4, 18 through 21. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just As it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without wavering in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. See, what God had promised to Abraham was impossible. It was impossible. Abraham contemplated the impossibility of it all, and yet he chose to believe God's promise. And as he did it, his faith grew strong. Now, some people say, I've heard this, God said it, what? I believe it, and that settles it. I mean, I've heard that. And that probably should be true. That should be true. But when God gives us a promise that is so beyond our abilities or even our imaginations, I believe we kind of tend to contemplate on that, cogitate on that for a little while. 
Now, God has made a promise to every one of us in this room that He will forgive our sins. Do you believe God's done that for you? God has promised to every one of us in this room and this whole world too that if we'll trust Jesus, He'll give us eternal life. Do you believe God's done that? God has promised to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He has promised to make us effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Do you believe God has done that? Do you really believe God is willing to use you and I, to use you to intersect the life of someone who is lost? Who, if they continue down that road, will end up separated from God in hell. Do you believe that God will use you to intersect their life, to share the good news of the gospel, so that they might trust Jesus Christ? See, we have some incredible promises, too, to believe. But let us not waver. Let us grow strong in faith, being fully assured that what God has promised, He's able to perform. You know, sometimes the water hits the wheel or gets down to cases. And in 1980, I was planning on going on a mission trip. The only problem with that mission trip was you had to have your money in by a certain deadline. And like many people have done, you send out letters asking for support and and you're praying that it comes in and, and it didn't come in. So I can remember sitting at the, my desk there at, at college wondering, okay, do I just say, Lord, I shouldn't go? Or what? And what I just remember, I opened up my Bible, and I can't remember now if it was like I just opened to this or if I was reading through this passage, you know, on a systematic level. But anyway, I opened the Bible, and, I, and I'm looking at that passage in Scripture where they get to the Red Sea. And God says to Moses, why are you standing there crying out to me? Go forward. And I was like, Lord, I need you to raise this money, you know, for me to go on a mission. Why are you crying out to me? And so what I did is I just closed my Bible, got my car, and drove home. And I decided just to talk to the six people that I had sent the prayer letters to that I hadn't heard from. I just went and talked to him. I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm planning on going. You know, my deadline's the day after tomorrow. and just wanted to ask you, to, you know, whether you feel like you can help. The money came in. I got on the plane and, and went on the mission trip. The verse that, that kind of has stuck with me, do you all ever wonder what people say in those deacons' ears during the... During the um, Ordination time. You ever wonder, what are they whispering? This is what I'm saying. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. I believe God wants us, he wants to use us, in such a mighty, eternal way. 
He's made many of His promises to us. That's why He's he's telling us, I want to use you. I want to use you. And He wants us to stand firm in faith, trusting Him, believing Him. Now, what promise has God spoken to you recently that's stretching you? Is it the John 3.16 promise of God's love? Is it the 1 John 1.9 promise of His forgiveness? Is it the Philippians 4.13, the promise of His strength? When God makes us a promise, He expects a faith response. And finally tonight we see, when God tests us, He expects a faith response. Look at Hebrews. Flip over to Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. And here we read, it says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, when God called Abraham, he promised to bless him. He said, I'm going to make your name great. And then later, God specifically promised him a son. And when Isaac was born, he was the apple of of, uh, Abraham's eye. But yet God had a test. God had a test for Abraham. And Abraham passed with with flying colors. He was willing to offer up his only son, Isaac. He knew that if he killed Isaac, he knew that the promise of God could not be fulfilled, humanly speaking. But Abraham believed that if he was obedient to God and he slew Isaac, that God could raise him back from the dead. Sometimes, sometimes in our life, it is going to appear that the promise that God has made to us is about to die. God will have no rivals if our attention and if our focus becomes fixed on anything other than God Himself, if our attention And focus becomes so enamored even with the promise of God rather than God himself. He may have to readjust us and cause us to refocus. As God gives us vision, as God gives us direction along with his promises, we must be willing to lay all of these things on the altar. Our desire must be to glorify Him. In January the 8th of 1956, Jim Elliott and his four companions were killed, as you recall, by the Alka Indians in Ecuador. See, he sensed deep within his heart that God had called him to reach this tribe, and so he laid down his life. He personally did not reap the immediate benefits of a harvest, but his wife did later. 
There were many who were one to Christ. But Jim was not only willing to lay his dreams on the altar, he was willing to lay his life on the altar. You know, it may cost us. It may cost us a great deal to reach the the community of Tifton and Tiff County with the gospel. I'm not talking right now primarily about finances. If we're going to be men and women, if we're going to be a church that impacts this community for Jesus Christ, it may cost us more than what we would want to pay. But if we're going to be men and women who have an impact for Jesus Christ, we must be willing to believe God. We must be willing to believe His promises no matter what. Those whom God intends to use greatly, He will test severely. And when God tests us, how will we respond? He expects a faith response from each one of us. So tonight, what is God wanting you to trust Him for? What are you honestly, what are you actually trusting God to pull off in your life? What are you trusting Him to do in and through you that is supernatural? Something you can't do yourself? I want to encourage you as we close to start small. I want to encourage you tonight to believe God to enable you to develop the most intimate, personal, and dynamic relationship with Him. With Him. I want you to believe God To actually teach you how to pray. To such an extent that that's just like breathing for you. That's just like eating for you. To believe God that He is going to help you to discover the person He's created you to be and the gift that you are to the body of Christ here at First Baptist Believe God that He's going to do that. He's going to show you. I want to challenge you to believe God to lead one person, just one person, to faith in Jesus Christ. Believe God to give you boldness. Believe God to give you ideas and strategies and visions of how First Baptist Church might have a maximum impact upon this community for Jesus Christ. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, we see a man named Abraham. And Father, our, our faith, I know my faith feels so flabby compared to his. His faith looks like a muscle that is so strong. A muscle that when, when you called him, he responded in faith. That when you gave him a promise, he believed you. And even when you tested him so severely, he, he believed you. Father, we pray that you might develop that in us. That we might honor you and please you, bring you glory. And that during our days on this earth, we might be used of you to provide a radiant witness for Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. If God has been speaking to your heart in recent days, maybe it's a result of a Sunday school class or a youth meeting or a personal witness or, or maybe it's a result of a worship experience. If God has been speaking to your heart and He's telling you to make a decision, either to invite Him into your life or make Him the Lord of your life or other spiritual decisions, maybe a, a significant milestone in terms of a, a direction you feel like God's calling you, this invitation is open for any kind of response to God. If you feel called to come and pray, come and pray. But in a moment, we're going to stand and sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Our pastor is going to be here. He would love to encourage you and pray with you. So if God's speaking to your heart, you respond. Let's stand right now and sing together.